Garfield et Jeffin Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Fit in Japan. I am your host, Johnny. I'm Jeremy. <laughs> and that is Jeremy. And um, as you find folks know, Got Fit in Japan is about two dudes, booze, Japan, and the news. And unfortunately, Tom is not here with us today. Tom, right now, is on diaper duty once again. That's what happens. You have a kid, you got to change diapers, and sometimes you got to change a lot of dirty diapers. And so Tom is not here today, but don't worry, faders, we're here with a very special guest. And uh, oh, before I continue, I must say it is episode number 563. That's right, episode number 563. And that's a great number for a great guy. And today we're so, so happy to be here with the one, the only, Victor Henry. Victor, welcome to Got Fitted Japan. Thanks for having me, guys. I thought you guys were going to say Tom was on his own diaper duty. He's got different things to worry about. Tom is a character. We love him, though. He's all right. Yeah, we love Tom. Yeah, Tom right. is great. Um, well, I'll talk to Tom later. Definitely, definitely. Victor, you're in Los Angeles right now, right? Uh, right now, technically, I'm in Fullerton, which is Orange County. Because I moved out there, so. Okay, that's But I'm, cool. from, I'm from LA, yeah. Awesome. And, um, yeah, Victor, I've got so many questions to ask you. I mean, um, uh, obviously, we, we love fighting. We love, like, combat sports, MMA. Uh, I was just at a pro wrestling match last Friday. It was insane. You know, Japanese pro wrestling death matches. They go fucking bonkers and shit. It was, it was off the hook. So I've got a million questions, but I'm going to let Jeremy start off. <laughs> Because <laughs> once I start rambling, man, I can't right, stop. Man. Gotcha, okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. First, uh, let's hop right into um, let's hop right into the basic stuff first. If you don't know who Victor Henry is, you need to slap yourself in the face first, and then get your ass onto Google and Google this man. This man is a is is a famous fighter here in Japan and in Russia and in the U.S. He's on a seven fight winning streak. He's fought twice in Ryzen. He's the deep bantamweight champion he's rated number one in japan of all bantamweights and one number one in russia of all bantamweights fuck yeah so this is something yeah. you need to watch out watch his career grow and uh and uh victor why don't you tell everybody how you got into martial arts and give us a little bit of your background all right well i got into martial arts because i started watching power rangers man i mean once i started watching power rangers my dad was just like oh mijo here's bruce lee he's another little chiquito como, como usted you know like He's a little, another little little guy like you. So started watching that. Got into, was well, still into Power Rangers. Eventually found myself at a Taekwondo gym because uh, the high school that I was going to go to, well, that I went to, didn't have football. And I don't know if you can tell, but my enormous stature at 5'7", 130 pounds at the time would not have been a great fit for uh, football. So 
I found the right. I found Taekwondo, and uh, it just so happens that a few of my friends were already black belts, and then uh, from Taekwondo moved on to Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu to Muay Thai, and then wrestling, and then eventually found my way with Josh, and you know the rest is history. He's been kicking nuts and punching faces ever since, man. That's Shit, cool. Dude. That's really cool, man. And if you don't know, his uh, his uh, sensei, his uh, his uh, teacher, his coach is Josh Barnett um, of USC uh, UFC fame, and uh, and they train out of, of California. You guys still train at CSW? No, um, you know uh, Josh and Paulson had a uh, had a training uh, differences in training philosophy. So, you know, some of us went with Josh, and some of us stayed behind. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, right now, we're uh, we're training exclusively with Josh and uh, and Chad George out of CMMA in Gardena. Okay. So, if you look on your if you look on your topology page, it says you're associated with the uh, UWF USA. How how does that work out? So, uh, yeah. So it's UWF USA and CMMA because we've uh, we formed an alliance. To, uh, to conquer the world over here. Um, so the way that works is, um, you know, Josh really wants to take, a, a, he wants to take, a, take it back to his roots to pro wrestling and, sure. and, and, the, um, and everything that made Josh who he was, you know? So, so that's why we're, uh, we're repping that flag, you know? Interesting. So it kicks you're just like getting into fighting and you don't know about what the UWF is. The UWF was huge in Japan in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, that's where a lot of fighting got its start here in Japan. That's where MMA got its start. Uh, after U UWF kind of broke up, I'm really cutting this down for time, but after UWF broke up, a couple of the guys went off and started Pancrase, which you fought for uh, successfully. And then yeah. uh, they started places like Ryzen, not Ryzen, but Pride. They started these kind of uh, more realistic wrestling and punching, you know, kind of uh, combined sports. And then that eventually led into MMA. That's a very brief, very, very cut down explanation of the UWF. But Josh Barnett was a huge part of that. And he's been trying to keep that alive for a long time, if I'm not mistaken. Very long time. You know, he's a, he's a very, uh, he's still very into strong style, you know, even in, in his, um, all the way down to his, his, uh, his, his blood sport event. You know, he has very certain parameters for his, uh, for his wrestlers and he doesn't want to do things the, uh, the way that things have, that everybody has been adapting to, you know, he doesn't feel that that's, um, that's real wrestling, you know, and it seems that even in fighting, people are starting to follow a, uh, a certain pattern and he wants to get away from that. You know, sometimes when I'm on, right. when we're doing, when I'm on that mind rot, I'm on Twitter. And people will, um, people will, uh, they'll share some old UWF and old, old, you know, fighting clips from the, from the late nineties, early two thousands. And you can just see how the difference between somebody who's an athlete and somebody who's just got an enormous amount of skill in a certain, in a certain martial art. And it's crazy right. to see the old, the old, uh, the old footage because it's like, damn, like these dudes are doing some great moves. And but the only difference is that now people are more athletes. And I mean, it's it's just a, it's such a different game nowadays. 
So people are kind of doing the same so again and again and again, right? So it's like kind of like the same thing? Yeah, I mean, you get, um, for the most part, like even even in, in MMA fights these days, you know, at, in, all the sh- in, in most all the shows, you'll see striking, and then you'll see some wrestling, and then you'll have the wrestling stand. I mean, in every, and of course in every, uh, in every division, in every weight class, there's the exceptions. You know, an, an easy uh, an easy example is Khabib Nurmagomedov. You know, he's very athletic, but his wrestling is a son of a bitch, right? Mm-hmm. But then you re- you yeah. look at all the other the other people in the division where it's like, oh, you got your Edson Barbosas, whose wrestling isn't as great, very athletic and a great striker, right? So, but then you have your I'm not gonna call any fighters out, but then you have your in betweens who's who aren't very, uh, who are who are very athletic because they they go to the gym, they work out, they do their training and conditioning, but there's ne- not really anything to fear about them because they're so good at everything, but they're never so good at one thing. A jack know? of all so, trades. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a jack of all trades, but master of none. So exactly. what ends up happening is that you get these athletes because they are athletes, mm-hmm. but not really good at anything. So you're not seeing these high level moves. You're not seeing, you know, high level wrestling. You're not seeing chain wrestling. You're seeing one thing and then no, I'm a hate on it. I'm a hate on it. I'm a hate on it. And then I'm gonna go back to just what's basic. I mean, there's a reason why the number one submission in most MMA fights is the sleeper hold or the rear naked choke. Because what'll happen is that somebody will get clipped, somebody will fall, and then it's just, I'm gonna run at them, I'm gonna take their back real quick, and then I'm gonna choke. Yeah, that's the go-to move, right? Yeah, it's the go-to move. It's what's gonna it's what's gonna happen in most MMA fights. If you were to tell me that somebody got submitted, you know, I think the last what, the last darts chokes you can name the people that did them was uh, Tyrone Woodley. It was uh, it was uh, of course it was probably uh, El Cocuy, Tony Ferguson. You know those guys. You know, yeah, those are those. You know, th- when's the last time you saw a triangle in MMA? Almost never. Yeah, and it, when's the last time you saw a triangle set up from grappling in MMA? You know, it's it's really hard well, to find. I, it's really hard to find a, you know, great submissions nowadays that isn't that isn't a result of somebody already half unconsciously that got clipped really well. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that uh, having to punch somebody it doesn't take skill because of course it does. But it's like we we see a mediocre level of kick, kickboxing just to get a choke. Or you know stuff like that. So going back to the original point, you know, you go you go see these these UWF fights and or these or the wrestling matches, and you'll see high level wrestling. You'll see lots of drills. You know, we've been having this conversation a lot over at team practice. Is what is the difference between a fighter and a martial artist, and what do you define yourself as? So very interesting. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to point out for uh, a lot of our new listeners who aren't who aren't like martial artists themselves, um, what what Josh Barnett is talking about when he says wrestling, he's talking about catch as catch can wrestling, which is a very very old, probably if not the oldest form of wrestling there is. I mean, you're talking about people like former presidents like George Washington and and and, and Theodore Roosevelt used to do this kind of kind of wrestling. Of course, over the years it's changed, it's modified. People have perfected certain moves, and there's different schools and um, there's different schools going all the way up until 
present day where we were just talking about where somebody has a training style difference and they separate off and they make their own their own club, which is not a which is not a horrible thing. It's just something that happens as as fighting evolves and things change. If you watch a kung fu movie from the 1960s, it's a lot different than what you see happening in 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 the UFC right now because certain things look good on film, certain things are actually practical, which is what which is what Victor is is alluding to here in what he was saying. So as as you see, like somebody starts getting good at like he said a rear naked choke. That might mean there's holes in their other other sides of their game. They might be a weak puncher. They might be bad at takedowns. The idea of being a martial artist is to be a well-rounded. Use what works. Use what your body can do, and and fight your fight and take it to the to your opponent. Do you agree with what I'm saying, Victor? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. You know, when the country first started, most of most of uh, when I say the country, I mean the United States. Most people were farmers and farmhands. That's why. That's why. That's why our great, our, our great, great, great greats had so many damn kids. You know, like they were popping out kids since they were really young, because we needed farmhands. You know, and what? How effective could you have been? You know, tending a farm if you had a broken arm, or if you had a you had a busted neck. You know, so that's why they started modifying the rules from catch as catch can into what we know as modern collegiate wrestling you know, bar arms and all that stuff. A lot of things were banned because, well, you needed to go to the farm the next day and you needed to be able to work or else you didn't eat. So that's when we started modifying the rules and now we have folk style. Now we have all this stuff. But then because of that, what we actually got was a style called rough and tumble, which was what uh, Abraham Lincoln was a a champion in, where basically it was like, okay, you, uh, everything is allowed basically. You were fighting barefisted, and you were getting choke slammed, and you were getting uh, you were getting your eyes poked, and you know it was it was a brutal sport, especially with uh, with um, with the traveling carnival. That's how that's how grappling uh was really uh was really spread spread throughout the United States with the traveling carnival, man. I mean, you had your challenge matches and everything. That's where the uh, that's where the uh, that's where a lot of martial arts, I think uh really grow is when it was open challenge matches and that's where people became the fighters not just the 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 martial arts they were traveling martial artists but they were also actively competing so and and then from there of course it just grew as as people got the martial art and they made it their own how effective is that old-timey move where they stick their finger in the guy's mouth and they pull his lip to the side like this? Like, kind of like the hook? Oh, you fish, a fish hook? Fish hook. It's quite effective. It's, it's quite, quite effective. effective. And I can't tell you how many times Josh has done it to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they used to do that in the early UFPs, in the, like a Tank Abbott would do that. And also sticking your finger inside someone's cut, like you cut under their eye or above their eye. And they jammed their finger in there. They had to remove those oh, kind yeah. of things because they were, yeah, they were getting outlawed in certain states. Oh yeah, punching in the nuts. Yeah. Oh, Joe Son. I remember Joe Son versus what? Who was it? Keith Hackney. Hmm. Joe Son versus Keith Hackney. I think Joe Son had him against the cage. I think, and he was just wailing on his balls. I think um, the first time I fought. I fought in the, in the Battle of Atlanta. I fought a, a Taekwondo guy who was like a more of an Olympic style Taekwondo guy who will hop on one foot at you. I'm, I'm from uh-huh. Texas, motherfucker. As soon as they lift that leg up and he threw two kicks in a row, 
I fucking front kicked him in the nuts so hard that I think they came out his throat. Jesus Christ. Oh, Trust man, him. that's terrible. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you can't <laughs> hit the ball. Man. My oh, shit. No one told me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Did you tell him? Did you tell him? I'm not from the north, and you gave him something. <laughs> I'm fucking, I just, I kicked those nuts all the way up in his throat, man. Wham! I mean, that just changed his approach. You're not gonna hop at me on one leg, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, that shit gonna work on me. Hey, um, Victor. So, how long were you in Japan for? For which visit, man? Oh, so you've been here a couple of times. I, I thought like you came here once and you're here for like maybe an extended amount of time, like maybe three years or something. You're fighting and training and stuff. No. So usually the way it works is that uh, I'll fly in and I'll, on average, I'm there for a week. Well, week to, you know, yeah, five days to a week. There was one time where I did have a fight there and I, I stayed for about 30 days because my training partner had a second fight lined up. We both fought in Pancras, and then he had a fight lined up for Grachan. And then, uh, so because oh, of that, Josh, yeah, Josh had um, Josh had other business to attend to. So he said, "Victor, take over." And I said, "Okay." So, you know, we stayed with uh, with um, Abiani, one of his friends, Abiani over at AACC. Mm -hmm. um, one of his friends was kind enough to kind enough to like house us for the month. So. We were we lived there for about thirty days. Cool. So that was the uh, that's the longest tenure I spent in Japan was thirty days. Okay, I was misinformed. Um, are there any major differences between fighting in Japan and fighting in the U.S.? Dude, I mean, of course there is, man. That's like saying tacos and pita bread, man. Come on now. Um, what's it called? Um, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it's funny because um. The way the UFC is operating right now, uh -huh. you know, especially in actually, you know who it was? It was it was Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson, where okay. it was the, it was the first fight for the UFC where they had no audience and they were it was at the uh, it was at the UFC yeah. center I think kind of right? like now right? <laughs> yeah, for yeah. Real. this so, is like but two that months was ago. the first fight. Yeah, yeah, that was the very first fight after after this whole COVID thing. Uh, well, the, the lockdowns, at least here in California, um, hmm. it was the very first fight. And I remember people just reacting so vividly to the, to the shots that, of course, you know, Ferguson was taking. Everybody saw that. But the difference was yeah. now everybody can hear it. And everybody was freaking out, especially when, where I was watching. I was like, bro, this is how it is in Japan. You know, the... Mm -hmm. The audience is just so much quieter, and you can hear people just getting ripped in the mush, you know, just, you know, especially with the, with the gloves and everything, you know, the smaller gloves and, you know, people throwing with, with a lot of power. You know, you hear just, just knuckle and, and, and padding just rip on people's heads. So for me, that's something I was used to because of fighting in Japan. People over here, they're like, oh, man, it's, it's, it's way more crazy. I'm like, yeah, fighting is crazy, man. Um, as, far as, the, as far as the fan base goes, you know, the last, um, so the last time I fought in Japan was February, what, 22nd, something like that. Um, it was right before the shut, yeah, it was right before the shutdown. And this man comes up to me, and he hands me a bottle of hand sanitizer, squirts the pen, squirts my hand, I signed his, uh, I signed his, uh, his autograph board. Then, uh, 
sanitized again, shook, shook his hand, and then I walked off. So I was like, that should have, for me, that should have been a sign of things coming, but I thought it was really cool. Right. Like, oh yeah, he was, he was concerned about my safety. He was concerned about his safety. So he went through all these precautions just so he could get an autograph. And I thought that was cool. Wow, dude, that's awesome. So you you were right. Um, your last fight was the 22nd of February. And uh, you mm -hmm. fought uh, Conor Harrison. You beat him in 45 seconds of the second round with a right with a straight right. Yeah. That was rising 21. Yeah. yeah. That was your seventh yeah, win in a row. Wasn't my seventh or wasn't my eighth? Uh, hold on. Maybe I'm stupid. I can't count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're on seven now, but you're going to have eight soon, uh, I hope. Yeah, yeah. hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I remember doing an interview and they were asking me what was going to be the important round. I remember telling them the second. So, I called that yeah. I Magic Mike that one. So. What's it like fighting in Russia? Fight? What was that? I'm sorry. I, I was going to ask you, what's it like fighting in Russia? Because before you started in Ryzen, you had a you had one fight with RCC in uh, in Russia. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I fought a guy named. It was the first time I fought in Russia was a uh, Denis Leventriev, and uh, he's a uh, he's he's trained out of Tiger Muay Thai. Tiger Muay Thai. So he right. was training over in Tiger Muay Thai with Peter Yan. I know I seen him in Peter Yan's corner and. Peter Yan is doing great things over in the UFC. And, you know, I have no doubts it's because Dennis Laventry is, of course, training with him and, you know, all the all the really high-level guys over at um over at Tiger Muay Thai. So right. you know, yeah, that was that was that was you know, Russia Russia was crazy too. Did you feel you like know, Rocky from like Rocky Four? Uh, nah, not really, because I wasn't you weren't I in a really bring everything. <laughs> I didn't bring everybody together like Rocky did. I, it was it was still pretty divisive <laughs> over there once uh, oh, once I you. won. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, you won by decision. Right? Um, I won by decision. Yeah, unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah. But um, I was. It was funny because um, during the fight, you know, Dennis Aventry is a high level judo guy, so mm. during the fight, they would use the they would beat on the on the on the big ass judo you know the the drums as they would in judo. So right. I thought that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And then after the, after the fight, I was like, hey, man, great fight. And he was pretty upset. He was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, because that was his first loss. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll see you later. Josh and I went out that night, ended up getting a nice burger in Russia. That shit was fun. Nice. <laughs> so, oh, wow. I, mean, I mean, other than that, I mean, the Russian people, they're very, um, you know, they're very straightforward. But if they like you, they like you. Yeah. You know, we were up That's till, cool. I mean, it was funny because right after the fight, after the burger, I go back to the hotel room. I took a nap. And then uh, I had to be up like a few hours later. So in order to, uh, in order to, uh, in order to catch my flight. So. Wow. Short right. So that, that fight set you up for a fight with uh, Yuki uh, Motoya. Who was the yeah. uh, who was the yeah. championship uh, belt holder for deep bantamweight championship belt holder? How did yeah. that fight come about, and how did you feel like getting your shot at, at going for the deep championship? Well, after um, you know, honestly, after uh, I didn't I didn't really look into who was the champion of deep at the time. I just knew that Oltska mm -hmm. was the ex champion. So when I beat, I figured that if I beat Ol 
Yeah. Yeah, I figure uh, if I beat Otska, then I'm either in line for a title shot or something, something would be in, in, in the works, right? So after I got yeah. that win, I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I thought my next fight was going to be Otska. But then we went to Russia, and then I came back, and I fought Motoya. So, yeah. That Motoya was a tough fight. That was that was a motherfucker. That was a badass fight. Yeah. That was, especially, yeah, especially in the third round where I was like, shit. Well, I went for a takedown and my legs gave out because they were they were tired. And then I had to just survive that third round by just moving. Just I remember just thinking to myself, I'm getting hit, but it's not knocking me out. It's not doing anything. But if I keep moving, then I'll be fine. Keep the blood right, flowing, right, man. Right. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. Dude, so fake I, it till you make it. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what we're doing here. Um, so I got a Fight Club question. <clears throat> What's up? Fight Club question, Fight Club question. Okay, man, if you could fight anybody, alive or dead, of any time, who would it be? Would it be George My Washington? Who? My mom. Your mom. Oh, <laughs> don't take that challenge. My, <laughs> My mom, when she, she was... My mom when she was 23 years old, so I can, so I can give it back. <laughs> right. No, man, if I had to fight anybody, uh, alive or dead, ah, uh, that's a hard one, man. You know what? I would fight. I would fight Jeremy 20 years ago, man. Holy shit! Oh shit, man! <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna lift my leg. I'm gonna lift my leg in the air. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lift my leg in the air so he can take. He can go for the. He can go for the Texas Nuggets. You know what I'm saying? No, dude, I've seen his feet, man. He's got some big ass feet, dude. You do not want to do that, man. His feet are like fucking huge, dude. He makes Michael Jordan's feet look small. Bro, uh, he's a, he's a big guy. Yeah, it's a big, he's guy. big guy. Uh, him, I do. I remember. Uh, I'm, yeah. I remember being there, and it's him, uh, Thomas Fulton, and Josh all talking, and they're all like staring eye level, and I'm just there looking up at him. As they're having their conversation, just three yeah. giants. Man, hey, other than the knockout, do yes. you have like a signature move? Uh, oh, when I was fighting in Pankers, I had—I mean, it wouldn't be a signature move, but I would dance with the strippers. Dance with strippers? I, ah, that's a money. Yeah, I remember, I remember. No, with those strippers, not with just any old strippers. Um, I remember Jeremy was there for it when uh, after I got the win over uh, Tokoro. Was it Tokoro? Yeah, and yeah. I jumped out. I walked out the cage and I went to the stripper poles. That's right. You remember that, Jeremy? Of course. Yeah, I was there, bro. <laughs> you, know, you, so, also, um, you also had you also had the you also had crazy pants. You always put on like crazy uh, like pants. As soon as you want to fight, you you you'd have somebody bring in some like uh, crazy colored pants for you. Oh, the the zebra pants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was also yeah, kind of are... like a trademark move. Yeah, th th yeah. You know what's funny? Uh, that that came about because when I was still fighting amateur, Josh said, uh, "You know, this is before I even started working with Josh." But he was yeah. he was he was a friend of my trainer at the time. He goes, um, "You got your fighters need something that separates them from the crowd." And I was like, "Shit, yeah, all right." So I had just gotten done uh, having it, no, it was it was it was right after Halloween, so. I had these oh. these zebra pants because I was a '80s hair metal guy, and uh, I was like, "Screw it!" After the fight, I'll throw on these, and then ever since then, they just they've stuck. So I've had them for that long. Yeah, shit, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. <clears throat>
Yeah, Tokyo Tokoro's a, a big deal, man. If you don't know who Tokoro is, he's uh, he's going to be heading up a team, uh, the next quintet here here, here oh, in Japan nice. this, uh, next month, twenty uh, seventh of October. Yeah, he's got very his own nice, team. Nice. So it's fighting yeah, started. Is fighting started in Japan again? I know pro wrestling is uh, it's big. I was just at a match. But what about like MMA and all that other fighting? Is, is it happening now? Because in the States and everywhere else in the world, it's closed. Uh, well, I mean, me they, uh, well, I mean, Ryzen had a fight. What was it, last month? Or yeah, they're having one this week, too. Yeah, yeah uh, Okikupo yeah. versus uh, Kaya Sakura. I remember I was watching that. Don't think I wasn't. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then they're coming. Up, they're coming up with another one uh, on the twenty seventh. Yeah, so fights are going yeah. on in Japan. You know, fights are going on in the uh, United States also, but they're all, they're taking place on Indian land. So, <laughs> really, so you yeah. can gamble and then drink and then <laughs> also watch a couple of matches. Rules are different. Yeah. So, on, let, me move, let me move over here, guys, because I'm actually in the at the gym. So, and I don't want to be oh, in really? the way. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Nice. So, um, there's, there are fights coming up. There are fights coming up this weekend and next weekend for sure. That uh, there's there's been an announcement for another quintet. Uh, you were in quintet mm -hmm. before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. You were you were in you were in quintet as well. That's all grappling thing. Yeah. So that was yeah, so, um, let me let me get this right here. Okay, cool. Right, like, fellas. It's all good, man. All right. So all right, I saw in your documentary that you like like music audio wind up boxes. Is that true? What was that? I saw in your documentary that you like music boxes, like those little wind up boxes. Is that true? Is that a real thing? Yeah, music boxes, those things are freaking kick ass. You love those, dude? Oh my god, dude! How many of those do you have? I like, I like the little. I don't know. There's just something so relaxing about it. I mean, it's not like I don't actively go out for them, but uh, those things are freaking relaxing. So. Yeah, they are, man. They are. I don't know. If I had one, I'd probably want like Boys in the Hood or something on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting one to want, <laughs> Boys in the Hood. But, yeah, um, dude, because I mean, they always play like classical songs or like Christmas songs or some shit yeah, like that. Right? Like, so when I have like, yeah. when I fucking like bring it into like the 21st century, yeah, a little bit of hip hop or something. I mean, we don't need to go dubstep, but I mean, you know, just something with a little easy E, you know, I, I would be cool with that. Yeah, that's true. We don't, we don't need to do that. Let's please, let's please not do that. I don't know how that would find on a little, I don't know how that would sound on a little metal. Yeah, I'm, you know what? My, my mom had a little I Love Lucy box. Yeah. Music. I I love Lucy music box. I should say, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I thought, damn, that's actually pretty entertaining. Oh, uh, Lucy! <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. We were actually playing Cuban Pete over at the bar that I work at. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from the math, it was uh, it was closing. It was closing time, and I was already closing everything and washing everything down. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw on Cuban Pete. So there was a couple a couple regulars in there just hanging out. And it was me and the other bartender. I just threw on the uh, Cuban beat. <laughs> you beatbox, right? No. You don't? Shit, man. Oh my He's a metal dude. No. He's a metalhead, man. Look at his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. 
I got this freaking, I'm, 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 about, I'm about to wear this sweater outside. Hold on. What? Oh, shit. Oh, that's pretty metal. <laughs> it's on like, yeah. It's like this is the North Star. Yeah. Yeah. With Kenshiro. Oh, shit. Oh, get it. Get on your knees. Uh, great movie. Hey, so speaking of like, you know, that kind of shit, yeah. there's such thing as a death punch. Is that real? Yeah, you. if you punch somebody and they die, 100%. All right, cool. So that's it then, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you did it. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it goes to a certain area, but once you punch them and they fucking die. That's the death bada punch. Bada boom, death punch. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. Hey, I also, like, and I saw your documentary a couple of days ago, so it's really fresh in my mind. Um, you went to, like, the coolest shitter or something, or the coolest, weirdest shitter? You're talking about it or something. You have like a little video. No, that was from your Instagram. In your Instagram, you got you're in like this the shitter or whatever. It's got all this graffiti all over it and stuff. And you're like in the coolest shitter. Oh, the one in. Oh, the one in. Uh, it was a. It was a toilet over in L.A. Yeah, they got stickers oh, everywhere. I was like, oh, god. Yeah. It, I thought that was Japan, yeah. dude. I totally thought that was Japan. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I gotta find this shitter. I gotta find. No, that was that was. There's some interesting shitters in Japan. Oh yeah. Man. Oh yeah, definitely. I got a funny story. I remember one time I was uh I was I was in the airport flying back from Japan. And I remember, I mean, the first time I went to Japan, I saw a bidet and I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this, because it's the first time I ever saw one. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna use it. Everything is fine, right? And then <laughs> but you know that as a man, as a, as a guy from America using a bidet for the first time it was very different yeah so what ended up happening was i was like all right this is cool and i understand it and it gets you clean cool then i'm on the way back to the united states and i don't know what this dude ate but he was on that bidet button like nobody's business and i was like at this point i think you're enjoying it <laughs> uh, for me, it was, uh, for me i was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, you're using, like, you gotta use the bidet four times. I don't know what you ate, but uh, you know, I don't think you should be using that bidet so damn often. I don't know, man. <laughs> if you've ever had bad sushi, dude, sometimes you need to rock that fucking button, dude. <laughs> you gotta get and, that water squirting. You know, dude. like bad sushi can really fuck you up, dude. I've been there once. <laughs> I don't fucking doubt it. I don't doubt it, man. Awesome. Hey, if you could change any rule in the UFC in the United States, what would it be? Soccer kicks. And I think everybody's pretty much on board with that one. Soccer kicks. Soccer Knees kicks. to a down opponent. What is a soccer kick? I know what a soccer mom is, but you know, I don't know anything about the kick. <laughs> you kick somebody's head like they're a soccer ball. Oh, shit. That means and kicks to a grounded opponent. Holy fuck, dude. That, is, that sounds more like the death punch with your foot. <laughs> <laughs> it can be as long as it's not the uh, was it a uh, one thousand deaths? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so to clarify, the soccer kick, the person can have the person can be on all fours, or they have to be on three posts in order for a soccer kick. I forgot the rule. Uh, as long as they're a ground, right technically a grounded opponent. So um, in the uh, I think under unified rules. Yeah. yeah. So under unified rules. You can you can be 
on your hands, but if your hand, so if my, if my feet are on the floor, but my hand is just touching the ground, I'm not a grounded opponent. I'm playing a game at that point. But if yeah. my hands are load-bearing, yeah. yeah, so, but if my hands are load-bearing, so I'm actually putting weight on my hands, then um, I am a grounded opponent. So gotcha. that eliminate that eliminates the people being kind of like touching the floor, not touching the floor, touching the floor, not touching the floor. You have to yeah. actually be, you have to actually put weight on your hands to where it's like you would do a push up or something like that. But right. that's what John yeah, Jones's has- approach is. He'll either have both his hands on the floor and he'll get close to you and just try to sneak in and get it inside, or he'll he'll stick his hand out with his fingers open and if you try to come in, he just you know hits you in the eyes a little bit. Yeah, so I got a, I got a little I got a little trick for that. A lot of the um, a lot of amateurs they do that, you know, and you know I would say a lot of pros do that also. But what I've started doing is, you know, I am the person. I'm not injury prone, but for whatever reason, if somebody doesn't cut their nails, I'm the guy that gets scratched. If somebody has Velcro on their gloves that are just exposed, I'm the guy that gets scratched. I'm always the guy that gets poked in the eye, scratched, you know, all that stuff, right? But I started, I started a little trend over at where I train. I start hammer fisting people's fingers. If they start throwing that finger out there, I'm a hammer fist it. Yeah. So I told people, listen, okay. man, I'm gonna do this. If your finger breaks, that's on you. Stop doing that shit to me. So even that if they do this, even if they start doing this on purpose thing, you know, with their fingers in the air, I'm a hammer fist the shit out of it. Don't get right. in that habit. I mean, this is a this is a you martial can stay still- art. It's still a, it's still a technically a, a, a block or a slap down, but you're just going pop and hit them on the your finger. That's cool, man. Wrapping. Yeah, man. I like don't, that. Don't poke, yeah, don't poke me in the damn eye, man. Like, we're here to spar. We're here yeah. to train. We're gonna do all that, and you're gonna go throw all this. I mean, I don't know. Did, did you guys do the uh, uh, Stepe versus uh, Daniel Cormier, the first one? You're gonna have to remind me, man. Uh, I watched so many fights at. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Cormier did a great job of getting on the inside and everything. But what was messed up is that I saw there was so many finger jabs. And then if you see uh, if you see Stipe's eye, it's just scratch, scratch, scratch. They're all his his eyes are all busted up from being from being answered on with with the long ass fingers. And to be honest, when when uh, people go to fight, um, you know, I'm not you know I know Jeremy, you roll so. When you go to jujitsu, j- you know, your fingernails. How many people think about their fingernails? You know, so they'll cut them. Oh, I do, because it's kind of yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you turn them to a certain point. But what happens when you get wet, when you sweat a lot? Your feet, your, the skin on your fingers become more, uh, you know, they're softer, oh. they're more pliable. So what ends up happening is what yeah. you would think is a good nail ends up being a, a sharp object again because, you know, your fingers have gotten soft, so now the nails are are more uh, more readily available. Not as like right. not like they were before, because when before when you clipped them, you were dry, you were okay. Mm-hmm. But now that you're all sweaty, wet, you know, like your nails come out again, and especially if you're rolling nogi and dealing with heat yeah. and everything, so you just don't even don't even wear your shirt sometimes. You just get all scratched up. Mm-hmm. So, so of course, going back to the Stipe versus uh, Cormier, the first one. You know, Cormier got inside really well and then made Stipe pay by exiting with his hands down. Boom. Easy, 
easy knockout, but it was a great knockout. But I, I can't help but feel for the guy when he's, I see all these scratches. I'm just like, mm. you know, it's like, it's not for me. It's not honorable. You know, like, man, you got, yeah. it's a you got, you got, you got a great win, but it has a, it, to me, it has a taint on it. Shit, dude. Hey, I got a question about merch. In um in Japan for pro wrestling, like there's like a halftime, like there's like like maybe about an hour of a show, and then there's a halftime where everybody exits, they get beer, they get food, and then they buy merch. And a lot of the wrestlers, they're out there and they're selling t-shirts, they're selling fans, they're selling anything and everything that they can and stuff. And that's pretty much like money for the organization and money in pocket and stuff. And I think that's just a way for them to kind of like uh, get paid, you know? And um, yeah. it's really big here. And like, well, I was just at a match last Friday and people were just buying fucking shirt after shirt after shirt after shirt and stuff. I mean, it was like big business. I mean, I was thinking that I, had, I should start selling shirts there, you know, but um, is it the same yeah. in the U.S. for MMA? Does MMA do that? Is that like a way for fighters to get paid? So I know that, you know, in MMA fights over here, they, um, it, there's no real halftime. I mean, there is an intermission. For the most part, especially if it's a big card, but um, during the whole event is when they're selling, but not necessarily the fighters. It's it'll be like a fighters sponsored some some sponsored uh, some sponsors for the fighters. They'll be selling merchandise, but they'll sell it throughout the event mm -hmm. rather than because of course the fighters are back there doing their thing, and then afterwards they come out. And they mingle with the fans a little bit, then they take off. Because most fighters here, they want to party. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they, they, they want to party right after the fight. They want to get the hell out. They want to go party. Um, so, no, no, not really. I mean, during the intermission, people get up and go take a dump. And they'll get something to drink. But not really buy too much merchandise. Because, well, then again, the, you know, a lot of the fighters, they're not, they're not personalities also. So, it's they get in, they get out. You know? So, I mean, it, that that I part of that part of, yeah, that 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 part of the uh, that part of the uh, of the game of mixed martial arts is actually pretty hard. You know, having a personality that's different versus you know, are you just a run of the mill dude? Or, oh, you've you got know. the pants. I do got the pants. I got the pants, and I got the hair now. You got the and you've got the beard. <laughs> yeah, the beard is just lazy beard. This thing was, dude. That's pretty hardcore, man. That's that's a big beard, dude. And you're in like Los Angeles or the LA area, dude. It's got to be like what 90 degrees there, rocking around with a. a no, it, dude, dude. Before, like I want to say maybe like three weeks ago. Ooh, it boy it was hot, and it was, and I was over here like again working at the bar, and you know, so over here in the state of California. They what they did for a little bit was they approved restaurants to have patio dining. Okay, so okay. if you if your rest if your restaurant had a patio, you can you can eat on a patio. You know, nice. so you have it. You had your mask on. You got seated, and then once you were seated, you would take your mask off to eat. But once you go anywhere else, you had to have your mask on. So the city that I work in, which is Fullerton. They have a lot of bars, okay? Now, this, I'm pretty sure, 100%, that the city of Fullerton gets a lot of tax revenue from alcohol sales. So, in order for you, if you walked into my restaurant, in order for me to serve you any alcohol, I have to give you food because restaurants are open, not bars. 
You get it? So, yeah. right. So, what I would need to do is I'd be like, all right, sir, you want to buy a, you want to buy a whiskey sour? Okay, well, sir, I need, I need to give you some sort of food. So they would order whatever they order. I mean, I work at for where I work at, it's a pizza joint, sports bar kind of thing. But they they have pizza, wings, pasta. They have all that stuff, right? So in the city of Fort, not all these businesses have patio areas. Some of them are just strictly indoor. So what the city of Fullerton did, what uh, is they approved a certain square footage for certain bars in order for them to operate. That way they can generate revenue. That way they can pay everything. And that way the city just keeps going, right? Because like I said, there's a lot right. of bars and they're lit. they're missing out a lot of money. By yep. Not by not getting that money, you know? So, so my bar is actually a sister bar to another bar because they're right next door, same owners, the whole nine yards, right? So we had this big 3,000 square foot patio of, uh, it was what, what, what was the parking lot, but that is now fenced off and we have chairs there and everything. So every day we had to set up outside oh, and lugging so all that alcohol, lugging all the computer stuff, lugging everything outside was a hassle. And then you had to stay outside in all that blazing heat and serve you know and then of course the kitchen is still operating inside so i had to run inside get their order run back outside make drinks you know just you know keep the business going but sometimes i'm there by myself and sometimes i'm not but for the setup the opener usually used to be by themselves oh my god the beard must have been and it was like, so it's incredibly hot outside yeah yeah incredibly hot outside and you were sweating your balls off uh, yeah. Welcome to Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tokyo gets really hot too, like that as well. Yeah. You've been yeah. here in the summer. You know what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels, it feels like you're sous vide your balls. Yeah, dude. I get out there at some of those fights and I'm, I'm sweating like, like a fighter because, like, even sitting there at the stage under the lights, holding a camera up like this, yeah. or standing and holding a camera all day. You're just you just covered in sweat. You gotta have like an extra shirt, you know, to get home because it'll be too gross for the train. Yeah, man. And then especially with that spotlight right on top of the ring. Yeah, it's funny. It Come on. You know, so when I when I go into when I go into a ring or a cage or whatever, and I'm filling out the uh, I'm filling out the canvas, I'm filling out whatever I need to fill out. Um, I look for the decals on the floor. Because those things can get real fucking hot, especially after all night of just sizzling in the in the underneath that spotlight. Because I don't want right. to be on my back, you know, in the guard on top of that thing. It's gonna hurt. I got somebody trying to punch me in the face, and now I'm burning my back or my feet or right. whatever the hell. Mm -mm. So you you kind of look for your spots. Jesus, that's crazy. Those decals get greasy too. People oh yeah, just, you know, getting on their back on top and they get greasy. And if they don't clean mm -hmm. it right, in between, in between fights, it, it gets slick. Yeah, I'm sure. There's blood yeah. all over the floor too, right? Yeah, but you know, it, like I said, depending on the mat, depending on the, what they whether they use canvas or, you know, I've I've seen some fights where they'll use a like a tarp. It's basically like a a tarp on the you know like a matted tarp. You'll slip everywhere in that one, especially a lot of amateur yeah. fights over here locally. In blood. Yeah, or they'll you know some people, you know. Uh, Japan actually has had the best canvases because they have 
they put their decals into the canvas. They don't just, it's not just a sticker over the canvas. So it, it actually right. doesn't feel too bad, you know. It's Pancras is like, good about that. Yeah, Pancras is good about it. Um, who else was here? RTC was actually pretty good about it. Uh, Ryzen's yeah. great at it. So as long as I think as long as people care about what they're what they're putting on the mat, then, then the fighters should have no uh, no issue. Let, let me ask you about Ryzen. So I remember a fight when uh, Ian McCall got taken out by the ropes because in, in Ryzen's ring there's a special kind of rope that has LED lights inside of it, and he got taken down. And as he went down, boop, he hit his little cute face or whatever. <laughs> Ian McCall hit his face on on the on the uh, rope and and cut his del delicate self and, and then they yeah. had to call the fight yeah and, and he didn't even get a punch in and that was like the sixth or seventh fight that had been canceled or he he didn't you know somebody didn't make weight or something like that and 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 he got taken out by a rope as anything have you ever seen anything like that in, in in your experience i've seen it one time and that was vitor belfort versus randy couture i think randy couture right. threw i know vitor belfort threw a punch and it's just the way the glove was made, it was a little piece of material that barely caught Randy Couture's eye, and then they had to stop the fight because of it, because it was on the eye. Well, not on the eyelid or something like that. It was, like, dangerously close or whatever. Oh, fuck. So that's the only time I, I, can, I can say I've seen anything where a fight was stopped due to – that wasn't due to a, you know, a combative technique or gear or any, you know, some freak accident from – a ring or a glove, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, you know, the the riser ropes are real stiff. Um, yeah, there's LEDs inside of them. Yeah, so I. But here's the thing, like when when I put my back against it, I could see how somebody would get cut, 100%. Especially yeah. if you're dry and the rope is dry. But usually the ropes by that point have some sort of uh, sweat on them at that point. Because people are kicking, unless you're yeah. like the first fight of the night, second fight of the night. Um, right. People perspire and they sweat on the ropes, so they they get a little slippery sometimes. Mm -hmm. Johnny, you had a question? Many. <laughs> what are some other major it, differences buddy. between Japanese Japanese fighting and then American fighting? Uh, for one, a lot. Most of the Japanese people are smaller. So there's a lot more technique that goes into it. Not to say that big people don't have technique, but um, the, uh, the, the technical know-how and the way people move around is a lot different in Japan. Um, the wrestling is different because it's less, uh, it's more, like I said, it's more technical, less physical. Mm -hmm. um, if you look into, if you look into the, uh, into just wrestling, the American way of doing a lot of things is outperform physically. You know, the, the American wrestling team here has a lot of, uh, has their strength and conditioning down pat. You know, they, I mean, of course, they're great wrestlers also, but a lot of it is just physical, physical, physical. You know, especially you look at guys like I, like guys at Iowa State, you know, those guys are physical dudes. But then you look at the Russians and you look at the, uh, the, the Iranians, they're very, very technical. They got they got chain wrestling down pat, you know. Um, so I I feel it's kind of the same thing between uh between the Japanese MMA fighters. You know, a lot of them are real technical dudes. You know, especially because a lot of the Japanese people 
understand the technical the technicality of fighting you know you'll you'll be in the middle of a of a fight and it'll be silent and then something will happen and all of a sudden you hear everybody you're rough when i had my last fight you know it was it was pretty good you know of course i got the win but when you know when kanahara took me down with that single leg everybody and then they got me he got me back and everybody was Ooh, you know again and then you know he got the body triangle he was working a choke and then ding 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 i went out second round everybody was silent i hit him with those two right hands and everybody was like Ooh, and then it was over right so it's like a lot of other than, yeah a lot of ooing. other than just the other than just the physicality of of the fighters going in there you know the, the the technical appreciation definitely plays a part into the way that they fight because now they know what matters you know it's not just two dudes just slapping bodies <laughs> <laughs> yeah leave that to the movies right um, yeah for real so when you win a match what do you do to like relax or calm down do you just like hit the bar? I mean, I would just be drinking beers, dude. If I just want to fight, I'm like, dude, I'm going to get so fucking faded. Oh, man. I'm drinking top shelf all night long. Well, but that's just me, I'm the polar opposite. Yeah, I'm the polar opposite. I don't drink. So I like to have a burger and go to sleep. A burger. You love to eat, man. You love to get the oh, towel on. Jeremy knows the day after yeah. fights in Japan. First place I go to, go go curry. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So here's my morning after a fight. I get up and I go to Delhi, France, and I just, I just, I just kill a bunch of bread. You know, because the, walking by all the Delhi, Frances, especially while you're cutting weight, is the worst thing ever. You know, I just, oh, I just want all of it. Just put it in my face, and then. You know, you cut weight, you fight. The first thing I'm going to want to do is I want to stuff my face over at Delhi, France. So I go over there, stuff my face. A couple hours later, I'm ready to go. It's time to go-go curry. So we make that trip, go to go-go curry, and I just kill that too. And then uh, after that, walk around some more, and I just snack on junk food and everything. But that's the day after the fight. You know, the day I remember seeing a photo What's up? I remember seeing a photo of you at a, at a, at a, at a sushi restaurant, you know, that go around, the kaiten sushi that goes around, and you had like yeah. maybe 30 or 40 plates stack up in front of you. <laughs> yeah, that was when I spent the <laughs> month there. It was me and Shohei Yamamoto. Yeah. Yeah, they, amazing. I remember yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the, our, our hosts, they were saying, oh yeah, if you love, if you love this, you'll love that, you know, if you love sushi, you'll, you'll like this, this place. They got good sushi. I was like, okay. And I was like, I was eating, and they were like, eat as much as you want. And I was like, I don't know. And then Shohei was like, Shohei, was, Shohei knows how I eat. So he goes, ah, man, I don't know if, 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 if that's a good idea. And I was like, all right, dude, I'm just going to relax. And they were like, no, eat, eat. They were, they, were, they were really insistent on me eating. So I said, you're going to be sorry. It's going to be. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I just went for it, and as this as the plates are stacking they're looking at me like damn this food can eat so okay yeah. right so hey yeah. victor what's next what's next on your radar man what's your next fights coming up when are you coming back to japan to visit train or fight what's going on well i know right now that um i wasn't sure i'm not too sure about 
the way the Japanese government is on letting Americans in, because I know from from <laughs> the last I checked, yeah, yeah, uh, the last I checked, Americans and Brazilians were still uh, barred from travel to the yeah. to Japan. So I'm still waiting on that. Other than that, man, I mean, I'm just training, hitting, hitting you know, hitting the training room, going to work. I'm staying active. I'm not, I'm not over here, you know, sitting on my ass. You know, that's for sure. I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, Kai Asakura, Ogubo, they had, they had a great fight. I would like the title shot. If not, yeah. give me somebody else. You know, like I'm not, I'm not picky, man. You know me. I'm. 100% in for fights. I don't care who they are. You know, I think a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people, they lose their, uh, they're not genuine to themselves on why they started fighting. I started fighting because I like to fight. I started mm -hmm. fighting because I like to travel. I like to fight. For me, that's what it's about. So when people started saying, started dropping certain names and certain this, and I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. But then people were like, oh, why would you do this? It doesn't make sense for this. I'm like, I get what you're saying. But I like to fight. Yeah. So I was talking I was talking about doing a bare knuckle fight. And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. Yeah. And then people were like, oh, well, that's that's for people on their way out. That's for this. And that's for that. I was like, who says? You know, it's, for me, it's just another avenue of combat. I like it's combat. I want to go do it. Yeah, I want to go do it. I want it, is, it. For me, it's just about fighting. You know, and then people start going like, oh, it's, I'm not getting paid this much money, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, was well, it a, when you first started, was it about fighting or was it about, has it always been about making money? That's, again, that's the difference between a fighter and a martial artist. Martial artist wants to go out there, they want to compete, they want to get better. You know, I am a martial artist that competes. You know, so of course that it, right. it, comes, that it, comes, it comes with the territory that I, that I want to train hard, that I want to perfect my craft, they want. You know, and then I go, of course, whatever, whatever makes sense, you know, I do, you know, but I want to fight. I'm a fan of fighting. I don't want to, I don't want to wait for all these experiences to pass me by, you know? Sure. That's awesome. Dude, you're still I'm young. Bad. You're just 33. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. A little, I got, a little fight left there. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I'm, I got a little fight. I mean, after I stop, after I retire from fighting, I'm going to fight something else. I'm going to become a crackhead on the street just five picking fights. <laughs> we got that so here. Let me, ask you, let me ask you about this. Uh, are you able to fight in any other organizations? Have you looked at one, or are you stuck uh, exclusively with Rising or with Deep at the moment? What's going on with, with that? When it comes to Asia, I am exclusive to Rising. But I can fight for okay. anybody else outside of Asia. Excellent, excellent. Is that by, yeah. is that by contract? Yes, by contract, yes. Okay. So well, they nail you down to like a number of fights or is it like if you lose three times in a row or how, how does that work? No, they, uh, I have a, right now I have a three fight contract with Rising. So I have one more fight on contract with them. Um, but if I am the champion, if I am the champion, then I am obligated to defend it at least once within six months. So if Ryzen wants oh, to get okay. two more fights out of me, then they want, they should put me up against uh, Kaios Kuros so I can get that title. And then they can, should uh, give me somebody to fight again. That's the fight I want to see you against Kaios Kuros. That's going to be a, a, a you know, drop funny, down black. I, I, when uh, Kai versus uh, Horiguchi won, 
Yeah. I called yeah. that fight. That was the night I fought Trent Yeah. That was, uh, it was funny because I was walking with, uh, I was, I was walking with my striking coach, Uchenna, and uh, I was like, hey, bro, you know, for whatever reason, I just feel like Kai's going to take it. And they were, and he was like, why? I was like, no reason. It, it was, it wasn't even a, it's not something that I could just explain. Technically wise, I was, it was, it wasn't like, oh yeah, like, I feel like length versus timing versus, it wasn't none of that. It was just like, I don't know. It was just, just a fleeting feeling. And then all of a sudden that right hand hits. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I was right. All right. Yeah. And I was walking through the, I was, I was walking through the crowd with my zebra pants and people were like, oh, Victor, what's up? And I was like, hey, what's up? Because <laughs> every time a Gucci fights, I'm just like, you know, I could either stay here and watch this fight or I can catch this on my mobile phone on, on the way to the train. But that fight yeah. was amazing, man. I'm glad I stayed there for that whole fight. Yeah, yeah that was, that that was, was an amazing fight. Yeah, that was a... Yeah, Kai versus uh, Horiguchi. That was the son of a bitch. That was everybody was. Yeah. As soon as that first right hand landed, everybody was on their feet. Everybody was an American. That at that point, it was an American crowd. Yeah, because yeah. everybody was so excited. It was like watching. It wasn't like watching the fall of a king, but it was like he's vulnerable, and everybody was like, "Oh, you know." And it was you know Horiguchi is such a he's such a. He's so fast, you know, especially when I was training with him. Right. He's fast, and he's a great guy, and he's a great yeah. champion, and he's uh, he's everything a champion should be, you know. He so in the closest um, to DJ. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's if you so, don't know who Demetrius Johnson is, he's probably the, one of the best fighters on the planet, and uh, Horiguchi nearly beat him. It went all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kai managed to do it in one. Kai, that Kai that's, that's why that's I can't power. wait. You versus. Versus Kai, that's going to be a great fight, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope I get that fight. So, but I know he's fighting again soon, right? He's fighting, he's fighting somebody, but it's not a title match. Yeah, but it's not, a, it's not a title it's fight, is it? It's not a title fight. It's just, a, it's probably an ex, not an exhibition, but just a competition. I, I wonder how why Ryzen does that. If they, if they're, if they're champion, if they have a champion, why wouldn't it be a championship fight? They want to sell tickets, man. The whole thing about fighting, especially in COVID-19 times when several fights have been canceled, they want to sell tickets. And he has a draw. He has a crowd draw. Yeah, because he's got a big-ass YouTube channel. Yeah. And also, he's he's cool. Like uh, People who watch him fight, if you don't even know a lot about fighting, him and his brother, both, they're cool dudes. And you can watch them. They're, they're badass athletes, you know? Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I wish I had that kind of following. Shit. Got to get a YouTube page, man. <laughs> cool, man. All about YouTube. Yes. Oh, yeah. But you're so, Johnny, you're, what's your next question, man? Oh, man. All right. Wrapping up. <clears throat> in the future, where do you want to fight in the future? I mean, you fought in Russia. You fought in Japan. Of course, you fought in America. Where would you like to fight? Like North Korea, somewhere exotic, or...? I was supposed to have a fight in South Korea one time, and I was I was going to be at 145. So mm. that was that I was excited about that one because I was going to I'm a I walk around like at 152 pounds. So I was going like, bro, I'm gonna go over there. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm gonna kill some Korean barbecue. Oh but, shit! Oh yeah, yeah, the Korean barbecue. Yeah. the best. I was going to kill some obviously. Korean barbecue. I was going to kill it, and then what? Like be there for like a day or two, and then cut the weight have a good fight and then bounce back to the United States. But, but I packed all my things 
I got to Josh's house the night before the flight. Josh looks at me. He goes, bro, they canceled the fight. And I was like, oh. Yeah, so I'd like to get that fight in South Korea again. Um, I'd like to fight in Mexico. That'd be cool. Yeah, I want to oh, cool. fight Mexico. You'd have to yeah, wear that'd a be cool. mask. Yeah. And then I also like, you know, I'd also like to fight in, where would I like to fight in? Italy. I think Italy would be pretty cool. Only because that's my stomach talking. The food, the food. So pretty much like the, the food, food is yeah. all the thinking for you, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now that I think about it, because I'm thinking, the first thing I thought about when I wanted to go to Mexico was like, I can go for some gorditas right now. Nice, nice, nice. Authentic food. How <laughs> yeah. tough is it to cut weight? I mean, it's always, it's always pretty tough. My body, once I start, because I work around 152 pounds, like I said, but that's me eating normal. When I say normal, I don't mean like a normal athlete. I mean normal for me. So I eat pizza, wings, ribs, you know, all sorts of all sorts of everything. You know, I don't I mean I eat healthy also. I eat vegetables, I eat all that stuff, but I also eat like a pig. And that's 152. Mm. Once I start dieting down and really start like, okay, I'm eat chicken breast and lettuce and a little handful of rice. And when I start doing all that, I'll cut down. To 145 pounds, easy. How long does it Not take? Easy. Like two weeks? No, nah, it takes about for me. It takes about a week to do that. Shit. And then yeah, and then cut four, four. What was it four kilograms in one day? You were we yeah. were at Hooters and you were doing a weight, and I saw you cut like four kilograms in one day. You're like, yeah, I'll be back yeah. in a couple hours. Yeah, I remember I that. That was four. That was when I fought Silva, right? I think so. It yeah, was that's when I fought Silva. Yeah, dude, you know, you know why that happened? Uh, I have my so, opinions, but go ahead. So, so check this out. We, uh, so Josh and I missed our flight for the first day. We missed our mm -hmm. flight. Too late LA traffic, right? The right. second day, we got there on time. We were on the tarmac for six hours. And Jeez. then they canceled the flight. And then we had to go on to another on to another plane where it was a two-hour wait just to get on the plane. And then it was another three hours that we were on the tarmac until they canceled that flight also. Meanwhile, this whole time, I'm cutting weight, but I'm at like 147 to 150 pounds because at this point, I've been sitting. I'm not eating that much. My metabolism, my metabolism has slowed down, you know. Especially right. for that fight, the uh, a lot of the a lot of the focus was on my strength, so I was carrying more muscle. So it was like, right. okay, this weight cut's gonna suck anyways. But if if I would have gotten there on time, it would have been all right. So it was 150 pounds, something like that, as you say. So then we go to the airline, and I was like, listen, Josh and I are both talking. There is no way that I cannot be in the air tonight because at this point, I'm all, I've already lost a day. And it's gonna take a day to get there, so like I, I we need there's no day there's no way I can't be in the air tonight. So what they ended up doing is they ended up flying us to China, and then from China there was a three hour layover something like that, and then and then to Japan. So flight to China, I landed in China. I started running in the uh, up and down the airport in my sweats, cutting weight there. Mm. Then. 
land in Japan, as soon as I landed, started cutting weight again. Then that's when that day came where I had a cake cut eight kilos. Yeah. 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 I remember you're like, you're like, I'll be back in a few hours. And you came back and you were perfect. You were ready to go. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but I shaved my head too. Yeah. I remember everything had to go. Every last gram. Everything. Body fat or hair. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if I had if I had a beard then it would have helped to get rid of that damn thing. But yeah, yeah. that was uh that was a that was a hell of a cut. That one was the hardest one I've ever mm. had to do. So but other than that, cuts are generally uh, I mean they suck, but you know, you skip rope, you you sit in the sauna for a bit, it comes off. Shit. Gene find a diet. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, shit. If if there was a, if I can cut weight by uh, by sitting on the shitter and just pooping it all out, that'd be great. Well, but, you can. That's right. <laughs> I'm sure it works. It depends on the shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there there have been you know, especially after Taco Tuesdays, you wake up the next morning and you just <laughs> you wake up a new man. Yeah, that's how you cut weight, man. <laughs> I got to say, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Do you have like a website, Instagram, anything, all that shit? Plug it, plug it, plug it away. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Victor Henry MMA. Um, I like to thank, well, first of all, I like to thank, of course, Josh and you guys for, well, you guys for having me on, Josh for coaching me all these years, and Chad George over at CMMA. Uh, make sure you guys catch uh, the next Bloodsport, Josh's uh, wrestling show. Coming up soon, mm-hmm. and uh, stay posted for stay posted for a fight news anytime, guys. Nice, dude. Okay, yeah, Victor, thank you, man. No problem, man. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll see you soon. Take it easy, man. All right, bye, 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 bye. Okay, and that's a show. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I had to wrap it up a little bit, man. I'm fucking super tired, man. Fucking, I'm just like, ah, I got to wake up mad yeah. early in the morning. But I think what we time is it over there? It's not that late, but I mean, it's like 11, 11 18. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> but I got to wake up at like oh, 5.30, okay. so. Yeah, all right. But yeah, anyway, I, I know that one. I know that one, man. Thanks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, again, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, dude. Good luck in your fights. I'll see you man. Later. All right, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take it easy, guys. Later. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azubujuban. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And, of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and, of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, 
they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about a five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, Vaders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepa. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each and they're worth so much more. These are, these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilt Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. If you're going to get your fade on, you got to get your fade on in style. That's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fade on in style. Proper. 
Yo, what's up, faders? Oh my God, now that was one hell of an episode. Oh my God, I wish I had a DeLorean. Where's my DeLorean? It's 2020, we're all supposed to have DeLoreans. I, I, I guess we can have DeLoreans, but I want a time machine DeLorean. That's what I want. I want to go back to the future and relive that episode. I mean, sometimes I just have so much fun in these episodes where I just want to do it again and again and again. Oh, my God. That was a great episode. I mean, the dude is a line in the ring, and he's a sweetheart outside of the ring. This guy is so cool, down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and just interesting, man. Fucking every story. I was at the side. I was at the ed edge of my chair listening. I was like, oh, my God. I was really quiet for two reasons. A, I was fascinated, and B, it was like, I don't know, it was like super late. <laughs> I was so tired at the end of the episode. I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> oh my God, I got to wake up super early in the morning. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I guess, no, it wasn't that late. It was like 11.30 or so, but fucking, yeah, it was a long day. But anyway, man, yeah, I apologize if I sounded a little tired. Hey, man, I'm only human, but hey, I got your back. And this week, we're going to give you two episodes of Got Fitted Japan. So there's two episodes for you guys to enjoy. And this one came on a little late just because we had to organize this interview and stuff. And uh, we got some more pretty interesting interviews coming up in the future. Some of them, I'm, I'm pretty shocked. I'm like, holy shit, we're going to do this? Fuck, man. It's going to be pretty cool. Anyway, faders, you know what to do. Go down to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and write something groovy about the show. It costs you nothing. But if you do have a little bit of uh, change in your pocket and uh, you do want to support the show, we do have a Patreon. So go down to the Patreon, and in the Patreon, we got tons of stuff there. We got videos, photos, interviews, uh, all sorts of stuff. In fact, like... Last Friday, I went to a pro wrestling match that was the most insanely crazy pro wrestling match I've ever seen. I mean... There was blood on the mat. The dudes got naked. It was crazy, man. It, people went wild in the stage. It was it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And um, yeah, I took photos and video of everything, and it's all on the Patreon. So sign up for the Patreon. It costs you five bucks a month. That's like buying us a beer once a month. <laughs> That's pretty cheap, and it means the world to us. But hey, we do know times are tough, and... Um, <clears throat> If you don't have that money, that's all good. That's uh, all good because we have free stuff for you. We not only have a podcast, but we do have a Patreon page. Now, I had to plug it one more time. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot, <laughs> but I love it. No, we have Facebook. We've got Instagram. So go down to Facebook and Instagram. Sign up there and stuff, and you get tons of photos and videos there, which is pretty cool, too. So, um, yeah, if you got money and support the show, it's great. We love you. Thank you so much. And if you don't, hey, man, we still love you. We still love you. There's nothing but love in Got Fitted Japan. Love and booze and Japanese news. That's all we got here, and it's all for you. And we look forward to seeing you guys in a couple of... I, I might just drop both episodes today why not it's like i don't know it's it's the holiday season somewhere right it's got to be a holiday season yeah every country's got different holidays so wherever you are if it's a holiday today well there you go <laughs> from got video japan to your earbuds all right faders thank you so much for tuning into this very special episode of got video japan i will see you soon Peace. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're good! We kicked his ass. Your move, creep. Oh, man. 
I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.